Welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience Podcast. We're back with a third week of Cookies 2024. And this was originally my intention to be my last cookie episode, uh, or at least my last pre-planned cookie episode for 2024. But I might do another one because I might do one about sales. And depending on what you guys put in the Facebook group, I might actually record more episodes. And I'm recording this at the beginning of January. So really, by the time you're listening to this, you may have already submitted some great ideas to the Facebook group that I've already said, okay, I'll record that. Anywho, the first week of cookies, we talked about my three top tips for cookies 2024. Last week, we talked about frequently asked questions about the cookie program when it comes to like money and distribution and credit for girls and participation for girls and requirements and this and that. So we talked about all of that last week. Today, I want to talk about some of my best practices for cookie season. So I love cookie season. What's really funny is when I worked for council, so if you didn't know, I used to work for my council a decade ago. I don't even, (laughs) yeah, a decade ago. And I then ended up running my own troop for several years after I left working there. And uh, it's funny because when I worked there, Most of the time, I did not work in the cookie department, although my last year working there, I did work in the cookie department. I actually did like inventory and cookie distribution across our council. So I managed our reorders. I managed our cookie cupboard inventory. I managed our initial delivery and like how to distribute to all the neighborhoods. I managed all that kind of stuff. And some conflict resolution because I also did mediation for council anyway, like even beyond cookies. So cookie season definitely can include a lot of conflict resolution and mediation. So (laughs) that was definitely also part of it. Okay, so when I worked for council, I thought it was fun that Girl Scouts did cookies, but cookie season was such a bear. Like... I don't want to say everyone dreaded it. That's really not an accurate picture at all. But it was such a big deal and it was exhausting and it was like a marathon or I don't know. I felt like we were sprinting for the length of a marathon (laughs) when I was on the council side, like the staff side. Once I was a volunteer, especially with the way other volunteers talk about cookie season, I sort of had this... um, mindset that cookie season is horrible (laughs) that everybody hates doing cookies and that I would hate doing cookies and that I was exhausted but I was going to do it because I believe in the program and it's necessary it's like a, a part of it right and what's really funny is I had to finally like a couple of years in to running my troop I had to really shift my mindset that like Actually, I love cookies and I'm always sad when it's over. I love it while it's happening and I'm sad when it's over. And it feels like part of me feels empty when cookie season ends. So actually, I love cookie season. And I think shifting the way we think about it, like let yourself love it, (laughs) uh, is is, uh, it makes a big difference. So what I'm trying to say here is that As someone who loves cookies and worked in cookies both on the staff side and on the troop leader side for many years as a combination of the two, 
and um, at all different levels and a variety of different troop sizes, anywhere from like, I think our lowest was like 11 girls the first year by the time we hit cookie season, all the way up to almost 30 girls the final year that we sold cookies. Um, like a big variety there. I know there's troops that are bigger and smaller than that, but I still think that's a pretty good variety of size troop. So I have a lot of experience selling cookies and finding ways to really love it. So I want to share some of my best tips for you. So there's really so many things I could say, and I'm sure you have a lot of great tips too. So I want to say if you have great tips that work for you, work for your girls, work at booths, work for door to door, whatever it is, please hop in the Facebook group and share them. So if you have Facebook, you'll want to go to facebook.com slash Girl Scout podcast. That's actually the page. Please follow the page. And then there's a button there to visit the group. You can request to join. It's private because I want to make sure it's only intern or Girl Scout people, real Girl Scout community. And, um, and please share your best tips in there. But here's some of mine. The first thing I'm going to say is when you are giving cookies to families to sell individually, in case you didn't know this, you can't request or require that they pay you for those cookies up front. So I did have a family who was very, very wealthy, who preferred to do it that way. They wanted to buy the cookies, basically, and then they didn't have to turn in money to me each week. It was just their responsibility to make the money back. Um, That's not how it's intended to go. <laughs> so you can't require that, okay? And it's kind of weird even if somebody wants to do it because that's not how it's meant to go. I don't think most of you will run into that where people, like, want to pay you for them up front. <laughs> or can pay you for them up front. But <clears throat> what I will say is when you're giving cookies to families to for them to sell individually and they have to have their financial form signed right with like a promise to pay that they're responsible for the cookies that they take on, don't give out more than 120 packages per girl. That's like 10 cases, okay? So don't give out more than 10 cases to an individual family at a time. And the reason why is because it gets, well, first of all, that's a lot of cases to sell individually. You're going to have girls who will sell more than 10 cases over the course of the season, but they can come pick up more after they pay you. They don't need 10 cases for the first week. They need 10 cases maybe over the course of six. So let them come and pick up more later. That way, you know you're getting paid as you take cookies or as you give cookies away. Um, so it helps manage that. It also helps you have a better understanding of where your inventory is at any given point because you're financially responsible for your troops cookies. Um, it also decreases the return because some people think they're going to sell way more than they are. They take out a ton of cookies and then in the final week of the sale, they want to return them all to you. <laughs> so uh, I definitely put the limit on 10 cases per family. Now, some councils have a requirement of the number of cases you can give out. Some councils don't have a requirement. They just have a guideline. But most of the time, it's going to be that. It's going to be 10 cases. Now, you could make your personal advice less than 10 cases. Hey, I don't like to give out more than five cases at a time. Sell these five cases and then come back to me. Listen, I will come and meet you with five more cases if you sell these five cases in the next three days. But <laughs> otherwise, you don't need more than that. 
So um, 120 boxes matched max, so 10 cases. And also any cookies or money that you exchange with a parent, get a receipt, have them sign it, right? Write out a receipt. Write it somewhere. It doesn't have to be in one of the formal receipt books, but write a receipt and both of you sign it and you have a copy and they have a copy. That way you can always go back to like, hey, here's the receipt you signed, right? So that's another best practice of mine. Make sure you document everything and get them to sign it. And that can be a little tedious when you've got a lot of parents and a whole line and tons of cookies and tons of money and you're exchanging hands really quickly and you're trying to make it happen in a short amount of time before or after meeting, whatever it is, but make sure you make time for receipts. It's just going to really benefit you in the end. Okay. On that note, you want to make a schedule for when parents are going to be able to turn in money and or pick up cookies. You want to have that figured out ahead of time for the sale so that parents just know. You can just set that up. What I used to do, I would do... Um, I think I definitely would do cookies and money after meetings. I think we actually made it a thing where we did not accept any cookie transactions at the beginning of the meeting. You could have turned in money, but no cookie transactions at the beginning of the meeting. Cookie transactions at the end of the meeting only. So whether that was trading out flavors, um, getting new cookies individually, or if you allow returns for which i'm going to talk about in a second um to return but that we only did after the meeting because trying to do it at the beginning of the meeting and then not have it run into meeting time was just impossible so um i think we did instate a rule where it was only at the end of meetings you could make it not at troop meetings at all <laughs> like we're not doing this during troop meetings that's also totally allowed um, I would also set up additional times. So I was the cookie mom, quote unquote, the cookie manager. I had all of the cookies stored in my garage, but also I would, um, you know, I didn't live like I had moved pretty early on in my troop. I had moved about a half an hour away from my troop meeting location. Now I live even further, but about a half an hour away from my troop meeting location. So I would load up my SUV and I would park in the parking lot of the church where we had our troop meetings. And I would just plant myself there for like a couple of hours, sometimes two hours, sometimes five hours, depends what my availability was. And I would just be available from X time to Y time for any parents who wanted to come and do a cookie exchange or turn in money. And I had that schedule ahead of time of when I was going to be there. And I would send that information to parents repeatedly, which again, I'm going to talk more about this, throughout the program so that they knew when they could come meet me at our same meeting location. They didn't have to come to my house. I did have a couple of times where parents would request to come to my house and I chose whether that was acceptable for me and my family on a case-by-case -case basis. You can set up, if you live especially close to your um, meeting location, you can set hours, just like a cupboard, you're basically a troop cupboard, for when it's okay for parents to come by your home 
to make cookie exchanges or to turn in money. Make a schedule of this is when it's acceptable. And then make sure you're available during the schedule you set. <laughs> so if you say from 5 to 8 p.m. you better on Monday, you better be home from 5 to 8 p.m. on, on Monday. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you may have nobody come by, but you better make sure you're there because if that one person comes by at 7.14 and you weren't home because nobody ever comes by, then you know, you're going back on your word. So making sure that you set a schedule and also keeping those boundaries where like, this is when it's acceptable to do this. I don't have time otherwise. So similarly for booths, um, when I would have girls get dropped off at booths, because I worked basically every booth that my troop did, which I'm not telling you to do, but I loved it. So I did. But I worked like every booth our troop did. So when parents would drop girls off, they would often want to do money or cookie exchanges. And same with the meetings, same thing with booth. I would say, not at the beginning of the booth. I have to do this at the end of the booth. Like, I can't be trying to set up this booth and run this booth at the same time as I'm trying to do a cookie transaction with you. You're also going to mess with my booth numbers, which I'm going to get to in a minute. So at the end of the booth only will I do cookie exchanges or turn in money. And yes, you're welcome to do it then, but at the end of the booth. <laughs> So, um, yeah, having boundaries there and also making it accessible for families to be able to pick up cookies and to turn in money. Okay, then let's talk about parent communication because uh, speaking of all of that stuff, I would do weekly individual parent emails. Now this sounds like a lot and it is, but one family at a time, I would go through and I would send them a personal update. This is how many cookies you have taken out slash your girl has credit for. This is your amount paid so far. This is your remaining outstanding balance. Here are the times and ways and opportunities for you to pay me and or pick up more cookies. And if they have a lot of outstanding cookies, I would also give suggestions or like that they haven't paid for. Here's suggestions of if you're having trouble moving this inventory, here are your options. Either this is what your opportunity is for trading flavors. This is what you may or may not be able to do as far as returning cookies or what the deadline is to return cookies. And um, here's some tips for selling them if you're having trouble. So all of that would go into those emails. And like I said, also reiterating, here's the times for cookie pickup. Now, if a parent received one of those emails and they felt like their numbers didn't match my numbers, then they would reply. And that's where having the receipts is really, really important, okay? So that you can go back and confirm, here's my paper trail that leads to these numbers. So that's how we did that. Um, but I would send out weekly emails to every single family. Okay. Um, oh, I didn't mention this, but I want to say about the 10 cases per family, I wanted to mention what happens if you have siblings because that does get trickier. If you have siblings from you know, obviously from the same household and they are both selling cookies, I still make it a 10 case max per family. I still feel they should pay before they pick up more cookies <laughs> because the, the number of people they have to sell to is the same amount no matter how many siblings are selling from that household. Their community, their network, their neighborhood is the same size 
regardless of whether it's one girl selling or three girls selling or six girls selling from that same household. So 10 cases is still my max. So I didn't mention that, but I, I should have. Okay. The kind of last sort of direction for my best practices that I wanted to make sure I covered in this episode are about booths. So this is specifically about managing your booth inventory. And there's so, so much we could say about managing inventory, (laughs) ordering, and all of that. Um, I'm not going to go too far down that rabbit hole, but I will say um, my method for tracking booth inventory and, and a tip. So I feel like the way I was trained to manage your booth inventory is to keep a tally of along the way of every box that gets sold by flavor. And let me tell you how impossible that would be to do accurately in my experience. I think it can be a fun activity for a girl to do at a booth to try keeping a tally, but I wouldn't use that as an official record <laughs> for one second. Um, no. What I do is I know exactly the number of boxes that I bring to a booth by flavor, okay? And I write it down. Don't count on yourself to remember it. Write it down, especially because you're going to wind up with weird numbers. You think you're going to bring even cases. That might be true at your first booth. That's not going to be true for the future booths, right? If you do several throughout the season, you're going to have 48 boxes of this and you're going to have 62 boxes of this. And you're going to write like somebody returned two boxes of Thin Mints the other night. So now you don't have an even case. You've got these two extra stragglers. At the last booth, you didn't sell an even number of cases. You had uh, seven boxes left of something. So a little more than half a case. So now you're going to bring that open case to your next booth and you're going to sell out of your open case first before you sell out of a full case, right? So don't just try to remember, write it down by flavor before you like start your booth. What did you bring to the booth? And you write it down by um, flavor. You're also going to write down, don't just count on yourself to remember, write down the amount of petty cash you're starting with. So I liked to start with um, like $50, all fives and ones, okay? Mostly ones. You could do all ones and that would be fine. Now, this a little bit depends on how much your cookies cost, but my my cookies were $5 and $6. So all ones is good because no matter what, I'm going to be able to make change if I have ones but it's annoying to have all ones. So fives and ones are good, but mostly ones. And then as people are paying you, (laughs) you may need to make change and you may need to um, have somebody available to be able to go make change for all the 20s that you get handed. Okay. But um, I would usually start with $50, but sometimes there'd be a rare occasion where somebody would hand me cash before a booth and you could leave that in a separate envelope or you could put that in as petty cash, like someone hand me cash. What I mean is like a family turning in money. You could just keep that totally separate, but if you shove that in your apron pocket with your petty cash, it's going to get confusing later. So um, count it. (laughs) You just just never know. Yeah, just never know what's going to happen, what you're going to get handed. And and you might end up not starting with an even 50 every time. I would try to. And sometimes I would even do like 60 or 75 just to be sure that I had enough to make change depending on the booth. 
But um, anyways, so make sure you write down your starting amount of cash, okay? Then at the end of the booth, before anything gets packed in the car or as it's getting packed in the car, you count every single package by flavor and your girls will help you with this every single package by flavor and you confirm don't just count on the girls to count it they count it you double count or you have girls double count each other one girl counts and then another girl does a second count because you want to make sure it's correct you count every single cookie by flavor and you document separately from the starting numbers you write down your ending numbers of every cookie by flavor okay once you leave the booth location don't do this while you're sitting at the table once you leave the booth location then you're going to count your cash okay count all of your cash and you know exactly the amount of cash you're leaving with don't leave anything out if you have change if somebody handed you quarters or whatever they're in the bottom of your apron or your um penny bag or a belt satchel or your whatever it is your if you use a cash box but honestly i don't recommend using a cash box it sounds fun it looks fun but it's really easy to steal off of your table and unfortunately it happens every single season so you should have the money on you physically in like an apron with pockets or um in like a fanny pack or something like that i have aprons i got off of amazon I got like a three pack, I think, of black aprons off of Amazon that have three pockets. So I could keep like big bills and change, um, like literally coins in my furthest right. In the middle, I kept my fives. And in the um, left, I kept my ones so that it was easy for me to be able to make change really quickly, but it's on your physical person. Um, as far as the girls getting practice counting money and um, all of that, the girls can take the money from the customers. The girls can calculate the amount of change and then they tell you, the customer bought this, here's what they paid. I need this much in change, right? So you're still having them practice. You hand the girl the change, the girl hands it to the customer, that's fine. But the amount of money that you are keeping on hand at a cookie booth should be on an adult okay for safety it should be on an adult so um that's my my two cents for for safety but anyways so at the end you leave the booth location count all of the cash and then deposit it okay go deposit it go deposit it right away because if you hold on to it chances are good you're gonna lose it deposit it just get it off of your um get it off of you and and deposit it into an account now if you need to um have your petty cash on you for your next booth then you deposit all but whatever you started with right so if i started with 50 deposit everything else and keep the 50 dollars petty cash that you started with to be able to do your next booth but don't lose it <laughs> okay so you're going to uh, go get that deposited and keep your receipt from the bank, from the deposit. Keep all of your receipts from your deposits at the bank because, again, you want to keep the paper trail in case you have to go back and check yourself later. So my next tip is when you get home, plug in to like a spreadsheet or calculator or whatever your starting amount of cookies by flavor, your ending amount of cookies by flavor, your total amount of cash, your total amount of credit cards, anything you accepted by credit card during that booth, 
And then you're going to reconcile. So you can calculate how many you sold of each flavor by getting the difference, right? If you started with 10 boxes of a flavor and you ended with zero, then you sold 10, okay? If you started with 48, that's a dumb number because then I have to do math in my head. If you started with 50 and you end with 10, you sold 40 of that flavor, okay? Then however many it says you sold, by flavor, right? You can easily plug into a spreadsheet or a calculator or whatever how much money that should have brought in per flavor. So if I sold 40 thin mints, right? I sold 40 thin mints, that was my example, at $5 a piece, that's $200, okay? And I'm going to figure that out per flavor of what I needed to earn at the booth for the number of cookies that are missing <laughs> that were sold in theory <laughs> hopefully um and then that total amount of money that you should have collected you're going to compare that to the total amount of money both cash and credit card that you did collect make sure you subtract out your your starting amount right make sure you subtract out your petty cash so you started with $50, you ended with, I don't know, $1,500, then you really only ended with $1,450, okay? Because you started with $50. So make sure you subtract that out. So when you're looking at how much money you should have brought in because of the number of physical boxes sold compared to the amount of money you actually collected, First of all, the number, the amount of money you actually collected should be higher. It should be equal to or higher than the amount of money you calculated should have come in from the number of cookies sold, okay? It should be equal to or higher. If it's higher, it's because you got donations, right? People told you to keep the change or they specifically bought donation boxes or they wanted to donate to the troop, whatever it is. Whatever remaining dollar amount is over the number of cookies sold, that dollar amount goes toward your donation boxes. Now, I mentioned this in a previous episode, but generally speaking for nonprofit code, um, in order to have selling permits for a sale like this as a nonprofit, um, we can't accept cash donations as straight cash. Those donations go toward donation donatable boxes, okay? So if you should have collected $1,300, but you collected $1,450, that means you have $150 in donations. And that $150, if your donation boxes cost five, which depends where you're located, if you collected $150 in donation money or $150 above and beyond your physical box inventory, then you can go ahead and put that toward 30 donated packages, okay? Now, the reason I do it this way, instead of tracking what was donated, what was given to us as a donation, um, we definitely tell the customer that way. We track it at the booth so that it looks interactive and fun and it encourages people to donate. But the reason we do it this way is because if you lost inventory or inventory got damaged or anything like that along the way, those donations cover that first, okay? If a girl did bad math, if an adult did bad math, if you handed somebody a five instead of a one, whatever it is, 
that covers you for any errors that might have happened, that those donations are going to cover your physical inventory first, and then anything extra will go toward your donated cookies. Now, if you collected $152, but your, your, your donated cookie over, but your donated cookies are $5 a piece, then you have these extra $2 hanging out, okay? Personally, I would either add that to my petty cash so I start the next booth with $52 instead of $50, which I'm going to note when I start my next booth, because remember, we're writing down the amount of money that we're starting the booth with. Or I'm going to get like a piggy bank or something like that, that I shove that excess change into so that at the end of the sale, I can go combine it to try to make more donated boxes or to cover lost inventory. Okay. So, and thankfully that never happened to me really where I had to cover lost inventory. It covered donations but two dollars can't donate a box of cookies so if somebody just lets you keep the change or whatever they just hand you a dollar or two and they just want to contribute that then you save those over the course of the um season and that goes toward like a fund for the remaining donations right so that's my best tip for managing your booth inventory. And I hope that that's helpful. I know it's a little bit in the weeds and maybe confusing to like hear it verbally, but that to me is the easiest way. Now I did build a spreadsheet each season um, for myself. I'm trying to think if like, it's probably not really something I could share in its existing state. I actually don't even know if I saw it. It's been years since I sold cookie. I mean, that was 2020 was the last time I sold cookies, um, like as a troop leader, cookie manager. Um, but I could probably put one together. I hesitate to say this because so often I like throw that out there on these episodes, like I might make this. And then I do get messages from people like even two years later, like I'm listening to this episode. Did you ever make this resource? And I'm like, oh, okay, no. Um, <laughs> but potentially I could build this out for you. Um, let me know. Let me know if that's something you guys want. Do you want me to build that spreadsheet for you? I, it's a pretty simple spreadsheet, but if if that's way out of your wheelhouse and you guys all want me to build it out, I could build it out. I could build it out. Um, it won't take me long, <laughs> but uh, let me know if that's something that you want. I can do that. Okay. Anyway. Um, all right. Sorry. I just went down a, a whole black hole of thoughts about that. So that that's my two cents for how to do it. And my last tip regarding tracking your booth cookies is to do it immediately, okay? When you get home from the booth, you're gonna be tired, you're gonna be cold, you're gonna be wet, or if you live in Arizona, you're gonna be sunburned and dehydrated, and all you're gonna wanna do is sit down on the couch with a drink, I don't mean like alcohol, I mean like either a warm drink to warm you up or a cold drink to cool you down. You're gonna wanna be with your family, you're gonna rest, you're gonna wanna nap, whatever it is, but be believe me, the very first thing you need to do is go plug your numbers into a spreadsheet and reconcile your money. Do it immediately and track it per girl in your digital cookie system, your digital cookie, whatever the platform is. eBuddy is what my counsel used, my baker. Um, but get in there immediately and get it tracked because it's going to be harder 
to follow your footsteps back if something doesn't match up later or if you're trying to do multiple booth reconciliations in the same sit down. Just just do it once, do it right away, and it's going to be easier that way if you come home and do it straight away. So track your booths immediately. That's my last like best practice that I want to share in this episode. So Oh my gosh, talking about this makes me honestly miss doing booths so much. I actually really, really, really loved it. I loved managing the inventory and uh, monitoring how different booths performed and um, making all the numbers match and being so proud of how it all comes together and being able to see the numbers kind of come together like that. I really, really loved it. And it just made me feel so happy and motivated. And I would go into Canva, which is like a free graphic design program online. You don't have to like download it. You can download it, but you don't have to. You can just do it in a web browser. And I would make like cool graphics celebrating our cookie sales. And then I would go post them in our troop Facebook group. I had a Facebook group for my troop so that I could celebrate like, oh, this was so awesome. Congratulations to the girls who worked it. We sold this many cookies and this is our new update as a troop of how many cookies we've sold and this is our top three sellers or our top 10 sellers or whatever. So anyway, I just thought that was a lot of fun and I really, really enjoyed doing that and it makes me really miss it. That's so weird. It's so weird that I would miss cookies. It just like takes over your life and I know those of you who are in the throes of it right now, you're like, why? Why would you miss this? But I totally, totally do. I also really cherished the time with the girls at the booths. I really felt like it was a time that I really got to establish great relationships with them and get to know them as individuals because you don't have like the whole big group. And especially because I had such a multi-level troop, Daisies, Brownies, Juniors, Cadets, I mostly worked with the cadets and because of the way their grades fell, I also often worked with the juniors. So the juniors and cadets were like the girls I was closest to. The daisies and brownies, I didn't know as well. And um, doing cookie seasons with them gave me an opportunity to know them and them an opportunity to know me better and to feel like they they trusted me and like they felt more comfortable and confident around me at troop meetings because I would like run from the big, big perspective. But then they had their like individual level leaders they were close to. But then at at cookie season, it would just be me the whole time. I mean, not just me. That's not fair because my troop leader, my co-leaders definitely would also come to booths. But I did all of the booths. So if they did a bunch of booths, they were with me the whole time. And that um, was a chance for us to really get closer So I feel like, and just have really fun, silly memories. I just really loved it. I really, really loved it. Some of my best, best memories, some of the best, best photos from my Girl Scout troop leader experience so far came at cookie booths and cookie season. Love, love, loved it. So I hope that you have a really fun cookie season. I know that it's hard. I know that it's exhausting. I know that there's things, there's always hiccups. Things never go 100% to plan during cookie season. Um, It gets chaotic. It gets crazy. And sometimes it's frustrating and it's definitely, definitely exhausting. But I hope that you have fun too. I hope that you can find some joy and some fun in it. And I hope these best practices of mine help you this cookie season 
and I'll see you next week. <laughs>